Well, hello, Bridgeway. How are we doing? Awesome. It's great to be with you all this morning. And I don't know if you had a chance uh, to be with us during our Christmas Eve services, but weren't they just amazing? Can we just thank all those who were a part of that? Yeah. It was such, such an awesome opportunity. I, I went to a couple of the services and it was so cool for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus together. It was so cool. And I, I don't know about you, but I just love the holiday season because we, all, we come around with family members. We sit at a table, we eat food, we laugh, we cry, we give out gifts. And it's such, such an awesome opportunity for us to, to end the year with, with a bang. And here's the thing. At this point of the year, we're the last weekend, last Sunday of 2019, and we're getting to a point now where we look back on 2019 and we think, man, this was a really great year, or man, this was a really bad year, and I'm ready for 2020 to come. <laughs> but here's what I think. I think every single time during the holiday season, whether uh, we have kids who are in elementary school, middle school, or high school, or even back when we were, we were kids, there always was an art craft that you had to do to send home to your parents, right? Your, your teacher would come to you and, and would say, okay, we're going to make this really cute craft that you are going to take home to your parents so that they can just be so proud of you, right? So that they could put it on the fridge and be like, oh, my son, my daughter made that. Look how cute that is. Now, I have an older sister who's three years older than me. And my sister, when she was in second grade, uh, she was told by her teacher that they were going to have a craft project, and, and she was supposed to make a banner that said Noel on it. Now, my sister is probably one of the most creative people that I've ever met. She's, she's really smart. She's really good at drawing. Her handwriting is impeccable. And so at, even at, at second grade, when she was in second grade, she was already really good at arts and crafts. So my sister, she took on this challenge. She said, yes, I'm going to make the best banner that I've ever made in my life. It's going to say no L on it. And it looks like this. Now, as you look at that, I know some of you are like, oh, wow. Yeah, she was in second grade. I'm pretty sure that she was cheating. Somehow... <laughs> She found out how to really make a banner that was perfect as a second grader. And she even has her name on the, on the corner. I mean, look how great that Noel looks and the angel and the star. Now, three years later, I was in second grade. <laughs> and I'm not as artistic as my sister is. I, I wish I was and am, but I'm not. And my teacher told me the same thing. They're like, Cliff, you're going to make a banner for your parents. It's going to say no well, but I'm going to tell you this. Be as creative as you want to be. As put all of your effort into it. You, you really make it your own. And so second grade Cliff really took on the challenge. And he put all of his effort into this banner. And then he brought it home to his parents that fateful day. And this is what it looked like. Now, it's probably a good thing that you can't really read what it says on the top of the banner, but it says whole. <laughs> I'm actually kind of glad you can't see because it's a little embarrassing. Yeah, instead of putting Noel on this banner, I put whole. And because my parents are so loving and caring, every single Christmas season, as you walk into my parents' house, you see Noel and Hole right next to each other. <laughs> and we have family members or family friends that walk in 
And they always see Noel, and they're like, man, look how great that is. And then they look over the hole, and they're like, what happened? And my parents tell me that when I first brought that hole home, my, my older cousin was like, what is hole? But what's awesome about this visual is every time we have family members or family friends walk into my parents' house, they ask about the banners, and my parents start to tell them about how it was like for my sister and I when we were younger. And they would reminisce and tell stories and, and talk about all uh, the great things that we, we did when we were younger. And that's what this holiday season comes about because we all love memories. We all love memories. Take a look around us. We have cell phones, we have iPads, we have expensive cameras, we have all sorts of things that we take pictures with. Why? Because we want to remember what has happened in the past. In fact, we have social media like Instagram or Facebook where if we posted something one year, three, four years down the road, it reminds us of a memory that happened before. And we think about that and we, we post it again and we say, oh man, this was a point in my life where, where I was healthier. This is when I got married or this is when my first child was born or this is when I got my new job and I'm so much happier now, right? As soon as we think and see that picture, it takes us back to that moment because photos are a sensory reminder to help us remember. And so this is the last weekend of the year. So we're either thinking this is a fantastic year or this was not so great of a year. But not only is this the last weekend of the year, this is the last weekend of the decade. And so we're starting to get a little nostalgic. We're starting to think of those memories throughout the last 10 years where we've been like, oh yeah, I remember that moment and that was really significant in my life. Or I remember this moment or that moment. And this brings us to the fill in the blank that's on the bulletin and on the app. What we remember affects how we move forward. What we remember affects how we move forward. Now, how many of you in here would say you love Disney and you're like a Disney person? Raise your hand. Okay, we got a few of you in here. Great. So when I was younger, uh, my family and I would used to go to Disneyland all the time. At least once a year. If it, was a, if it was a good year, we would go twice a year. But my dad never really wanted to go to Disneyland. Now, how many of you are those that, ah, I could do without Disney? Wow, there's more of you. Interesting. Okay, great. Well, you can relate to my dad. Um, so we would go once, maybe twice a year. And about four or five days into the trip, depending on how long we stayed at Disneyland, as we were leaving the park for the very last time that trip, I would always turn around and look at the gate. And, and no joke, I would start tearing up sometimes. And I know that sounds emotional because it is. And I, I would start tearing up because I would start thinking about all the really fun times that I had during that trip. Oh, I remember when I got extremely wet at Splash Mountain, or I remember when I went to Space Mountain, or I remember when I went to Indiana Jones or saw Mickey or all these different things during that trip that I remembered. And I didn't want to leave. And as I was standing there looking at that gate, I couldn't help myself but tear up because I didn't want to leave. And I think that moment right there is how we think of memories. When we look at a picture from our, our, our baby pictures or our children's baby pictures, we just can't help but have the feels. 
We can't help but, but think about all those times where we felt like, man, that was a great time in my life. Now, there's plenty of things that we remember. We remember anniversaries. We remember birthdays, I hope. We remember dates that we accepted Christ. I know a lot of us, we remember that specific date. Some of us, we remember how long we've been at a job. And as we look at scripture, as we take a look at the Bible, we see the theme of remembrance from Genesis all the way through Revelation. In fact, the word remember shows up 234 times in the Bible, 234 times. Now, do you think that's a coincidence? No, (laughs) it's not a coincidence. In fact, it was purposeful. And so today we're gonna be talking about three specific things. The first one is this. We're gonna take a look at what it looks like for God to remember. Number two, we're going to see what it means then if God remembers how we should remember. And the third one is what do we do once we remember? So if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter nine. Genesis chapter nine. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you. Genesis chapter nine. Now, if you know the story, I'll set the scene for a minute. Genesis chapter one, verse one. God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the sky, the lands, the birds, everything. And then he creates Adam and Eve. And he tells Adam and Eve that they have dominion over everything. But then they sin, right? And from that moment on, God tries his best to reconcile the world to himself. But God, it only takes him about six chapters to be fed up with humanity takes them six chapters because in chapter six of Genesis, God allows the flood to happen. But before the flood happens, he talks to his friend named Noah. He says, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And in that ark is going to be your family. And you're going to have animals two by two come in so that one day when the flood comes, you can save them and repopulate the earth. So the flood comes, everyone's safe is, everyone is in the ark safe. And then the flood goes down. Now, after the flood goes down, God has a very important conversation with Noah. And before we read this passage in Genesis chapter nine, I want us to understand one simple concept. And that is what a covenant is. Now, all throughout scripture, we see covenants with Abraham, with with David, with Moses, with the Israelites. But what simply is a covenant? And a covenant is a chosen relationship in which two parties make a binding promise to one another. So in scripture, when God makes a covenant, he's saying, I promise that I will always be there. I promise you that I will be there for eternity. But he's also asking for something in return because a covenant is not just a one-way street. It's a two-way street. So when God makes this covenant with Noah, he's saying, look, I am never going to leave you And I'm asking you to be there with me too. So I'm going to read Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. Verse 11 says this. God says, I establish my covenant with you, Noah, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. 
And when I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the rainbow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Now, when God certifies a covenant with his people, there is almost always some sort of visual. The accounts, the covenant with Abraham is circumcision. The, the covenant with Moses is the Ten Commandments. And the covenant with Noah is the rainbow. Now, unlike how we describe the word remember in our modern context today as just thinking back to something that happened in the past. When God says remember here in Genesis chapter nine, he is saying this simply that he's signifying the act of a previous commitment to a covenant partner. What that means simply is this, is that God is thinking back to the promise that he made and he's telling Noah that he is the most important and best covenant partner that Noah's ever going to have. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. And God, when he sees the rainbow, is going to look back and say, man, I made this promise to my people and I'm going to stand fast to that. Because the rainbow in the clouds is the sign of the covenant. It testifies that God has withdrawn his wrath, has withdrawn the things that humanity deserves, and he's going to preserve this world before redemption is completed. Now, I, I tell my high, my high schoolers this all the time, that if we look at the Bible as just a normal book, as a book just that we normally read on a daily basis, every author has some sort of thesis or point or anything like that. If we, if we take a look at the Bible at a bird's eye view and try to figure out what the theme slash thesis is of this entire book, it is God reconciling the world to himself. So when I say that God is going to hold fast and withdraw his wrath for a moment because he knows that one day reconciliation will be complete. One day redemption is going to be complete. You see, it, it is only the remembering of God that gives hope and makes new life possible. Mm, that's good, I'm gonna say that again. It is only the remembering of God that gives hope and makes new life possible. One of my family's favorite memories from when my sister and I were younger is I was about two years old and my sister was five years old. And my mom loves telling this story all the time. In fact, there's a video uh, of, of this story. And my sister at five years old is sitting in a cart and me being her younger brother, doing what younger brothers do best, we push around our older sisters because that's what we do. And I'm pushing my sister in, in this cart at two years old. So I'm pretty much using it as a walking stick. And my sister is singing. I don't know what song she's singing. She has a beautiful voice. Of course, she's artistic, has a beautiful voice. It's great. And so I'm pushing behind her. She's singing and for some reason, I really felt the need to dance. So I'm pushing my older sister in this cart and I have really long curly hair at this point. Thanks, mom, I don't know why. And I'm pushing my sister in this cart and apparently I'm dancing like this. And my, my mom loves telling people the story. Now for me, I feel embarrassed 
telling that story. But my mom, she loves telling people this story because she just thinks back to when I was two and when my sister was five and just how cute we were, right? You were just so cute. And I tell you that story because when God looks at the rainbow, he is reminded of his covenant that he made with Noah and he remembers us just like my mom remembered my sister and I when we were younger. He says, that's my child, that's my son, that's my daughter, and I have made this covenant and I will never, ever retract what I said I was gonna do. I'm gonna be faithful to what I said I was going to do. God is gonna see the rainbow. He's going to humble himself and involve himself with his people. Instead of focusing on humanity and how terrible we tend to be, he's focusing on the colorful vision that he has for us. That's the character of our God. Man, I love that. I love that so much. And so here in this, in this passage, God is setting the example of the importance of remembering. The importance of remembering. So God remembers. We see the significance of that. But what's next? Because God remembers, we should remember. Flip over to the next book of the Bible in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. And this story we're about to read is probably, I would say, one of the most powerful stories, not only in the Old Testament, but throughout scripture as a whole. Now at this time in history, the Israelites are in Egypt and they're slaves in Egypt. And they cry out to God. They say, God, please deliver us. So God raises up a man named Moses and Moses goes up to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. So God uses Moses and he allows plagues to happen all over Egypt. Locusts block out the sun. The Nile River runs red. Livestock after livestock are killed. And then finally, when we get to the very last plague, the 10th plague, and Moses, knowing that this was going to be a significant plague, he goes up to Pharaoh again and he pleads with him. He's like, man, dude, there's going to be something really horrible that's about to happen. I beg of you, let my people go. But Pharaoh again says no. And so that night, Moses goes back to the Israelites. He goes back to his people and he says, guys, I need you to kill a lamb. And I need you to use the blood of that lamb and put the blood on the doorframe of your house. Because tonight the angel of death is gonna come and kill the firstborn of every family. But if you have the blood there, you will be saved by the blood of the lamb. So that night, the Israelites followed what Moses said and the, uh, the Egyptian families lost their first, firstborn son that night. But the Israelites were saved by the blood of the lamb. So this is what we see next in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. It says this, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, this day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Now, this is the Passover. They call it this because the angel of death passed over their house, right? Now, the Passover, as we know in Jewish tradition, is, is a very significant moment. 
Not only is this a day that they celebrate, but this is something that they celebrate for a week long. And they do that because here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, it says that they need to remember this day for eternity throughout generations. So they have established festivals and feasts and they only can eat certain things because it reminds them of what it was like to leave Egypt in such a hurry. And the purpose of these activities is to benefit the generations that were not part of the Passover. See, here's what we need to understand is in the Old Testament time, they didn't necessarily have a written down document of what happened in the past. So in order for you to know how your family got to where you are today, you had, as I think of it, the most epic bedtime stories ever. You would go to bed that night and your parents or your grandparents would sit beside your bed. This is how I think of it. And they would say, listen, when you were not even a thought, we say that a lot, don't we? When you were not even a thought, your ancestors and one of a great man named Moses took us out of Egypt, allowed us to cross the Red Sea and we went to the promised land. That's how everyone remembered. And that's how story after story was passed down. Now with the Passover, God wanted to take it a step further. He said, not only are you gonna remind your generation after generation of this story, but also you're gonna have a feast. You're gonna have a festival for a whole week so that people can experience what it was like to be part of this Exodus because this is such a significant event. You see, I think of another event that, that Jewish tradition has as well, and that's Yom Kippur. And that's the day of atonement. This is the day where the high priest goes into the temple and he says, and sacrifices a lamb for the entire nation of Israel. They do that because why? Because they want to remember what's happened in the past. You see, this act on Passover was meant to transcend time and space. And the Israelites from now on were asked to remember this night and impress it on their consciousness and pass it on from generation to generation. And not just remembering what God has done, but what God has continued to do. And here's what's great about what we see here in Exodus chapter 12 is they're not remembering alone. They're doing it with one another around the dinner table in a festival during a whole week where you walk out outside of the streets and you see everybody else celebrating what you celebrate. Because I'm a high school pastor, I get to be part of some of the high school's spirit weeks that they have before Christmas. And it's kind of fun walking around high school campuses with everybody wearing, you know, an ugly sweater or everybody wearing, acting like they're older people or only wearing pajamas. You know, I, I love seeing the creativity of these young people, but when you see everybody dressing up similarly, it's like you're acting together as, as one, unified. And when I think of, of things like Passover and, and Yom Kippur, translating it to our modern context, we do the same thing. Why do you think we have holidays? To remember. You know, we think of Christmas, right? We, we just celebrated Christmas a few days ago. Why did we do that? Because we want to remember the baby Jesus being born. Why do we celebrate July 4th? Because we think back to that day in 1776 where our nation became a nation. Why do we celebrate 
Martin Luther King Jr. Day because this was a man that was very significant in American history. So we want to celebrate him. Why do we have days like Memorial Day? Because we want to remember those who have sacrificed their life for this nation. And we do all of this together. We have barbecues, we have people over. We're always asking questions like, what are you doing for Memorial Day? What are you doing for the 4th of July? Don't be alone on this day. Why? Because we're supposed to celebrate and remember together. But it doesn't, but it doesn't stop there. A couple months ago, I was praying and asking the Lord to reveal to me what he wanted for this weekend. I knew that this was the final weekend of the year. And so I was asking the Lord, hey, what, what do you want for your people? What do you want for your congregation? And in that moment, I didn't feel like the Lord gave me anything. So I, throughout that week, I was just being very aware to my conversations and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what, what he wants. And in a conversation I had this week, I was reminded of something that happened when I was younger. Have you ever had that moment where you're having a conversation with someone and you're reminded of something when you're younger? Is it just me? Did some of you have that? Yeah. And so in this memory, I was 16 and I was at a conference. In fact, I, I'm a drummer. So I was playing on the worship team for this conference. It, it was mostly an adult conference. And so my friends and I, who were teenagers as well, we were part of the worship team. And we were, before the conference started, we were standing in the back of the auditorium. And I remember we were just, you know, goofing around, having fun, doing what teenagers do. And we had a woman come up to us and, and she asked us, she's like, hey, do you guys want prayer? And, and we looked at each other, we were like, sure, why not? And so this woman goes down the line, praying for each one of us individually. She finally gets to me and she puts her hand on my shoulder. She starts praying for me. And I remember, I remember this like it was yesterday. And as she put her hand on me, her hand started to shake, like really vigorously. Now, I was only 16 years old at this point, so I didn't necessarily understand what was happening. All I know is that this random woman had her hand on my shoulder and was shaking. It's kind of weirded me out a little bit. But she stopped praying for a moment and she looked up, she looked up at me. She said, the power of Jesus is on you right now. The Holy Spirit is on you like crazy right now. In fact, God is gonna use you to be a leader. God is gonna use you in, a, in fantastic and wonderful ways that you don't even understand at this moment. In fact, it's hard for me to even pray for you right now because the Spirit of God is so on you. <laughs> Man, isn't that crazy? And here's, here's the thing. When we remember, it builds our faith. When we remember, it builds our faith. And that's a story, once I was reminded of that, that's a story I've told so many people. And every time I tell it, I get more and more excited. Because when I get tired in the future, when I get to the point where I feel like I'm not doing anything, I think back to that moment when I was 16 and God saw something in me that I did not even see in myself. And he was faithful enough and kind enough to remind me of that moment because he knows what's best for me. He knows it. When we remember, it fuels our faith. But here's what I think. There's two specific things 
that hinder us from true remembrance? Two things. And the first one, maybe you're like me. And I would say that I'm a, unfortunately, a pessimistic person. I think many of us, what hinders us from true remembrance is we only think of the negative. A couple weeks ago, we had a Christmas party for HSM. And it was a really great time. We had food, we had games. I was wearing a, a big pink bunny suit. It was awesome. It was a great time for teenagers to hang out. And that night as we were cleaning up, we were just talking about how great of the event, of, of an event that was. And me, as I was cleaning up, I, there was a couple of things that didn't go well. And guess what I was doing? Only thinking about those things that went wrong. Instead of all the other positive things that happened, like we were creating an atmosphere for kids to be safe and be and hang out with one another and remember the baby Jesus being born. But yet I was over here wallowing in self-pity being like, it should have been perfect. And I think many of you in here today, you, you can relate to that because you're like, man, I think back to 2019 and I can only think of the negatives. I can only think of the times where I wasn't able to, to complete and do what I truly wanted because I was sick or I, I just wasn't able to move. I don't know. But when we think of something negatively, it affects our future negatively because what we remember affects how we move forward. The second thing I think that hinders us is every single one of us has short-term memory loss. And what I mean by that is this. When we pray, we say, God, I, I need healing for this in my life. Or my family member, my loved one needs healing or somebody in my life needs this. Can you please answer my prayer? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. So we are asking, seeking, and knocking every single day, asking the Lord for this, asking for him to deliver us from this ailment or whatever we're asking for. Day after day, week after week, month after month, maybe even year after year, right? Because many of us know that even though we want prayer requests to be answered like this, it takes God longer than we expect. But eventually God answers that prayer and he heals or he delivers us from whatever's going on. But you know what we do? Instead of taking time to thank him, we're too busy for that. We got too much going on. We don't have time to thank our God. We go straight to him the next day and say, God, I, I need this. I need something else. Not done yet. And then we go up to our, our, our family friends or our loved ones and we talk about how we need this specific prayer request in our life. And then we, we vulnerably share with them. We say, man, I feel like God isn't there for me. I feel like he's some far off place and he's not here. But wait a sec. He literally just answered your prayer and you've already forgotten. What we remember affects how we move forward. And the third main concept I want us to talk about is how to apply what we remember. So first we can understand Genesis chapter nine, that God sets the example of remembrance. Exodus chapter 12, we see that it's significant for us to remember the things that God has done. And then third, let's tell somebody about it. I'll tell you what, when I was in, in school, Something that helped me actually articulate and know that I am remembering things and would do well on a test is I would tell somebody about what I was learning. My, grandma, my grandmother would pick me up from school every day and she'd be like, what did you learn from school today? And first I would say fine, because that's, how you, that's the first initial answer, as you know. And then once she 
finally got me to talk. I said, well, I learned this, and I learned this, and I learned this. And when we actually say it out loud, sometimes it helps our brain to remember. Because when we tell people, it's exciting. Think back to when you first accepted Christ when you were younger. Maybe a teenager, maybe an adult, maybe older than that, I don't know. But wasn't that an exciting moment? in your life. I love being around new believers because their passion for God is so contagious. Their passion for, for the fact that they've just started a relationship with a guy that loves him, them so much is so fun to be around. Anytime I, I lead a teenager to Christ, I just get so stoked because that teenager is like, I get it now. Yes, man, I wanna tell everybody about this. Can we just go tell everybody? That sounds awesome. And you see, all of us, we start with that passion. We get excited about it. We're like, man, God is so good. God is so good that he wants to be with me. And so when we first accept Christ, we want to tell everybody. But then what happens is our days and our weeks and our months and our years go on is, is that passion dwindles. Why? Because we get busy. Because we have other things. We have other stress, things that come up in our life. But when we tell people, it builds the faith. Flip over to the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. It's kind of near the back of the Bible. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 23. Now, we don't know much about the author of Hebrews, but potentially he likes coffee. I don't know. You know, Hebrews. Okay. <laughs> yep. Just thought of that one, actually. Not in my notes. Um, but what we do know is he was a, a friend of the disciples, and there you go, a, a friend of Jesus. And throughout this book, the author is communicating that, that Jesus Christ himself is the most superior being that we have ever seen in this world. He is superior than everything else that we will ever encounter. And in this specific uh, section in chapter 10 of Hebrews, the author is comparing Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus to the sacrifices of the Israelites in the Old Testament. And this is how the sacrifices in the Old Testament looked. Is every day, somebody would take a lamb, bring it to the temple, bring it to the altar, and sacrifice that lamb on the altar. And the blood that was shed on the altar was a representation of that person's sin. And so in this act, they were going before God and saying, God, I repent for the sins that I've made. And some days, this person would have to come back multiple times, maybe once a week, maybe once a month, as they were a really good person. But every time they would, come, they would have to come back to the temple so that they could sacrifice and repent again because that lamb's blood was not sufficient enough for them. So that's how they did sacrifices. And then the, the author of Hebrews goes over here and he says, but then there's Jesus. And Jesus on that day, when he went on that cross and his blood was shed for you, that was sufficient enough for eternity, for eternity. The blood that was, that was shed, the body that was broken was sufficient for you so that you could be in relationship to him. So Jesus Christ is the most superior being that we could ever encounter. And with that knowledge, with that truth in our life, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. But he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, it, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, remembering isn't just for us. It's for others also. It's not just for us. And I love this passage because in verse 24, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And you know what that tells me? It tells me when I have a loved one coming up to me and saying, Cliff, I've had a really bad day. I've had a really bad week. I've had a really bad 2019. I just don't know what to do anymore. This passage tells me to encourage them, to look at them and say, let me tell you about a God who, who loves you so much that he sent his son for you. Let me remind you of what scripture says that before you, you even knew him, God chose you and God loved you before you even understood what life truly was. Let me remind you that you are not alone. Let me remind you that everything that God has gifted you with has a purpose. And as I was preparing for this sermon and writing the sermon, I felt like the Lord gave me a picture of what the body of Christ truly looks like. When you have people going up to one another inside these walls and outside these walls and saying, how are you? And then that person responds authentically and actually says how you're doing. And then in this conversation, God is brought up. Jesus is brought up. And you talk about how thankful you are that even though you feel broken, God still uses brokenness. You see, before we, we saw that God is asking us to celebrate and remember in community, but also we need to tell in community. We need to tell one another. Since we know that we have God and since we know that he made a way through the blood of Jesus, and since we have confidence and hope in the Lord, we must go around and tell people about what God has done in our lives. But that also means listening. See, in this picture of the body of Christ, when we walk up to one another and ask each other what it, how they're feeling, we say, not only do I care about how you're feeling in this moment, I wanna listen to you. Sometimes like our prayer life, we, we ask questions, but we're just waiting to respond rather than actually listening. But here's the issue with this. You can't tell if you don't remember. You can't tell what, what God has done if you don't remember. And as I was praying about what God had for this weekend, I felt like this idea of remembrance is what Bridgeway needs to hear. Like God is inviting you into remembrance. You see, at the beginning of 2019, in January 2019, Pastor Lance went up on this stage and he said, this is going to be the year of the King. And I was sitting in the congregation, and I was stoked that that's what 2019 was gonna look like. Because for us, in HSM, our, our theme verse for our ministry comes from Zechariah 14.9, which talks about how one day Jesus is going to be the king over everything. And so throughout this year, Pastor Lance and the team have been taking us through each king of Israel, whether they were good kings or bad kings, and what the implications were of that reign. But then pa Pastor Brian this last weekend ended a series of us discussing what, what it looks like to be an ambassador of the kingdom. And if you haven't had a chance to look at that and, and listen to those sermons yet, go back on our website and check it out because they were really, really good. 
So here's the truth I wanna tell you from 2019, is that God reigns. God reigns. Here's why that gives me excitement. Here's why I'm even smiling in this moment right now, because I think back to when I was 16 and God reminded me of what he believed in me even before I believed in myself. And I wanna, I wanna tell you that God reigned back in 2010. God reigned in 2014. God reigned in 2016. God reigned in 2017. God even reigned in 2019. And guess what? He's going to reign in 2020 and 2021. That's the truth. But it's very hard for us to step into 2020 not knowing that. Because what we remember affects how we move forward. And so here's what I know. Here's what I'm confident with is when I move into 2020 and I think to myself, man, this is a bad day, bad week, bad month. I say, wait, hold on a second. I remember back in 2019 when I fully understood what God reigning over my life meant that even right now in this moment, I can step with confidence into 2020 saying, yes, he reigns. He reigns. So why does God ask us to remember his faithfulness? Why does God ask us and remind us to give thanks? It's because he wants us to trust him. He wants us to get to a point where we are surrendering our lives to him. I think this whole idea of remembrance kind of comes to a climax the last week of Jesus' life. The last week of Jesus' life here on earth was the Passover week. The same story we talked about before in Exodus chapter 12, it's the festival of the Passover. And so Jesus decides to have a Passover meal with his friends in an upper room. And so they go up to an upper room and they're eating and they're, and they're having fun and they're laughing and they're crying and they're talking about stories. And it's just any other Passover meal. And they're being reminded of what God did all those years ago in the Exodus. And then randomly in the middle of the meal, Jesus gets a piece of bread, puts it up like this and breaks it. Now, every time I think about this story and try to put myself in the shoes of the disciples, because think about this for a second. That was kind of random. They were just eating, having fun, just having a normal Passover meal. But then Jesus randomly just goes like, breaks bread. So they knew something was happening. So Jesus, as he breaks this bread, he says, listen, this bread represents my body that's about to be broken for you. In fact, what I'm about to do is going to change the course of history forever. And it's so significant that I need you to remember and not forget. And this is how you remember. Break this and eat this in remembrance of me. Passes along the bread. Then next he takes the cup, just like the bread. And the disciples are like, all right, that was weird. What's next? He says, this is a representation of my blood that's gonna be shed for you. I get you don't fully understand it yet, but I want you to get this, that people are gonna be talking about what I'm about to do for years and years and years to come. And so this is an example of what you need to do to remember. Do this in remembrance of me. Passes the cup along. In the Gospel of Luke, he tells us that God, that Jesus himself reminds the disciples three different times that he's gonna die, but rise again. What ends up happening? Jesus is arrested, put on trial, flogged, put on the cross, dies. And all the disciples forget and go hide. You see, even the disciples suffered 
from short-term memory loss. The first weekend of every month, us as a Bridgeway family, we have communion together. And we don't do this just because we're supposed to. We don't do it because every other church is doing it, so we should. We don't do it because we feel guilty if we don't. We do it because God has asked us to do it. So every time I take communion, I'm reminded of that day. Because here's the thing. When Jesus was on that cross, even though he had nails in his hands, nails weren't keeping him on that cross. He wanted to be there for you. He wanted to be there for you. And we do this first weekend of every month. Why? Because we need to remember that reality. Because we, when we understand that, man, we can step with confidence into 2020. We can step with confidence into the next day, the next week. And we say, man, Jesus, because of his body broken and blood shed for me, I can step with freedom. Because I'm free and he reigns and he reigns because what we remember affects how we move forward. So here's my question for you this morning. What is God wanting you to remember? What does God want you to remember today? Maybe it's something that happened yesterday. Maybe it's something that happened last week, this year. Maybe you're like me. Maybe it's something that happened when we were a teenager or a young adult or when you were younger. I don't know. What is God asking you to remember? Because I'll tell you what. I know for a fact that God has something for you today. I believe that every single one of you are in this room for a reason and a purpose. And God wants to communicate something with you. Can I have everybody close your eyes? I really enjoy and love application. I think many times when we talk about scripture and things that the Lord wants from us, we need to apply them to our lives. So here's what we're, what's gonna happen. I am going to pray for you. And as I pray, you can either listen to me or completely ignore me. And I want you to ask God the question, what do you want me to remember? Just keep asking that question. So Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness in our life. God, thank you that we can look throughout scripture and see story after story where you are so gracious and kind and faithful to us that you are never going to leave us. And so Father, I pray for my friends in here today and I ask that you give them and remind them of a story when they were younger or recently that you proved your faithfulness to them. God, was it a moment when, when they woke up and they just felt your presence really on their hearts? God, was it a moment where they went to, to work and they, they felt like you were distant, but at lunchtime it clicked and you, they understood that you were with them? God, what is it? Is it, a, is it a moment that they were healed or a loved one was healed? God, what moment in their life can you remind them of in this moment? Because God, we understand that what we remember affects how we move forward. So Father, I ask that you give us the confidence in what we remember. So God, what is it? We're, we're listening to you. You can open up your eyes. Can I have the prayer team coming up here? The prayer team is here for you. If you need prayer for anything, please come on up after the service. Here's what I wanna leave you with this morning. As I said before, God reigns. And I believe that 2020 is gonna be one of the best years Bridgeway and this region has ever seen. That's what I'm believing and trusting in today. But it starts with you. 
It starts with us. And so my prayer and heart for you is as you step through these doors and go about the rest of your weekend and your rest of your 2019, walk, walk with confidence knowing that God reigns and he has way more for you than, he, than you think he does. He's got this. He's got it. So Father, thank you again for your faithfulness. Father, thank you again for the things that you're already doing in this place. And we just ask that you go before us in 2020 and allow us to have the best year we've ever had in our entire lives. We're believing in you. We're trusting in you because you're good. Hallelujah, our God reigns. In your name we pray, amen.